You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf. Welcome to the Win Win podcast. My name is Ben Wolf. Uh, we're going to learn from our guest today how to maximize profit with the labor efficiency ratio. And what the heck is that? Uh, please subscribe, leave a review, uh, follow whatever you're allowed to do on the platform on which you are listening to or, or uh, watching this. Uh, definitely we'll get it out to more people. So if you want the value here to go to more people, please do uh, support the podcast by sharing it, subscribing, leaving a review, or following, liking, whatever you're allowed to do. Uh, with that, I want to get into introducing our guest today. He was the founder and CEO of Core Group, uh, which is a certified profit-first professional, which provides fractional CFO, accounting, and wealth management services. You can find out more about them at coregroupus.com. And with that, I give you Christian Brim. Welcome, Christian. Thank you, Ben. Appreciate you I coming know, on. I know you. I know you woke up this morning wanting to talk about the labor efficiency ratio. Yeah, it's labor like efficiency ratio. More fun. Kept me up all night. Mind. Right. What mm-hmm. the heck is the labor efficiency ratio? I mean, and and uh, so I guess the first thing I'd like to ask you is if you give give us a quick background. And for those watching on YouTube, but I know you have some of your daughter's art in the background, which is really cool. Uh, but, but like, what's a little background on yourself? Give us like a quick two minute history that kind of explains how you got to be talking about profit first and fractional CFO, labor efficiency ratio. Like, how did we get here? What's a little context where we can understand where this came from? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So I, I showed up for my university tour and they said, well, what do you like? Uh, what are you good at? And I said, well, you know, I like math. And they took me over to the school of engineering and I'm like, they're, they're studying way too much. So they took me over to the College of Business and, and then it's like, well, what do you want to study? And I'm like, I don't know, what's the hardest degree plan? And uh, so they stuck me in accounting. It's not like I, I never had any compelling desire to be an accountant. Um, I, I uh, went to work in, in public accounting. I went to work for one of my clients as a, as a commercial banker, which I, I don't like to tell people that. Um, and then at the ripe age of 27, I uh, decided to start Core uh, as a, I actually bought a franchise mm-hmm. uh, and started that in 1997. But my, my compelling desire uh, was to help business owners. I, uh, my story and the stories that I saw were that the uh, business owner success could be uh, greatly augmented with sound financial advice. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and, it, and it's, it's really not, you know, uh, I, I've, I've always said numbers are like a different language. Uh, it, it's not that you're good at math. It's that you know the language of business, which is accounting, and you're able to explain it in a way that people can use it. Um, so the, the, the specific topic of, of labor efficiency ratio, I... Uh, have have got received learned from Greg Crabtree, uh, author of uh, Simple Numbers. Highly recommend that book. There's mm-hmm. two. There's Simple Numbers and Simple Numbers 2.0 um, for anybody that that is a business owner at any size, because uh, it, it basically boils down uh, all of these financial questions in a way that that people can understand them. One one of the most compelling uh, parts of the book is this concept of a labor efficiency ratio that we're going to discuss today. 
Okay, awesome. Uh, so, okay, great context. So what the heck is a labor efficiency ratio or the labor efficiency ratio? I don't even know the grammatically correct way to say that, but what is that? So, so labor efficiency ratio is essentially taking your gross profit um, and dividing it by various labor costs. The most common is your direct labor. So in, in most businesses, um, there, there is a, uh, some costs, you know, even if you're a service business like ours, um, we have direct software costs. And so to, after deducting that from the revenue, that gives you your gross profit. Um, then taking all of the labor that is uh, associated with producing that revenue. So all of our professional team, uh, you know, all of the benefits, all of the taxes. So it's a, it's a full end number, um, dividing that into the gross profit. And that gives you a number. Um, ideally, it's above two. Um, the, the, the target is different depending upon the industry. And of course, you, you uh, want to be looking at that in a, in a historical context and in an industry context. But um, the, the concept is that if I spend X dollar on uh, uh, labor, I should receive Y dollars in gross profit. Um, it's the inverse of thinking of it in terms of what's the percentage of my labor cost. So that's the more traditional way to look at it. You know, mm -hmm. a restaurant might say, well, I need to keep my labor costs at 15% of revenue, but it, it, it flips it around. And it, it's an important nuance because uh, rather than looking at the labor as a, a uh, outgoing source of, of cost, it is, are you, are you managing that labor? Is that labor efficient in delivering the gross profit? So, you know, you, you can you can look at a, a business that, you know, in, in today's environment where hiring is an issue, you know, people are having trouble getting uh, butts and seats. Um, you, you look not at, well, golly, I've got all these open spaces and now I'm saving money. It's no, you're missing out on this much in gross profit because you don't have those seats, seats filled. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it's not a difficult concept. The, 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 the 2.0 is, is a, a good benchmark for direct labor. Um, it, it, if you have a high capital uh, business like machinery, I, I mean, a manufacturing um, where, or, or even like software and technology, uh, your labor ratio may be much higher, like three or, or even higher. Um, but you I'm, know, having, we, I'm still having a hard time getting my head around it. Maybe you okay. could give like one or two examples from real companies what they sure. looked like and then how that translated into labor efficiency ratio and then like kind of what you learn from that or what, you know, what, what you could kind of how to, how to act, make that information actionable. Sure. So when, when we started tracking it in our company, um, we were below two. Okay. So, uh, you know, just going through the rough calculation, uh, you, you have a, a, a million dollars in gross profit mm -hmm. uh, and you've, we had like 600,000 in labor costs. So that, that number is 1.8 or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So we, we knew that we weren't getting as much out of our people as we, we could, or our, our industry peers were. Um, 
And, you know, as a practical matter, when it came to, you know, looking at workflow and, you know, there, there was a particular, we, we needed a, we needed a, uh, another bookkeeper and, and the, the client service department kept saying, oh no, we've got to have another bookkeeper. We've got to have another bookkeeper. And then we started looking at the numbers and we're like, no, in fact, you don't. We have enough capacity because our labor efficiency ratio is not what it should be. It's not high enough. Uh, we don't need. And, and so we made the decision not to hire because our labor efficiency ratio was too low. Mm -hmm. So that's actionable. Okay. Right. And so what, what was it that was making your utilization of, let's say, bookkeeping less efficient than it should have been? Well, that's an interesting thing. So when you get into larger organizations or more complex organizations and you're calculating that at a, at a company level, it may hide some uh, inefficiencies. Like, so, you know, we've got multiple departments. It, it could be that, you know, the bookkeepers do have a capacity issue. Like they've got more work than they can uh, handle. However, this department has excess capacity. Because when you're looking at it at the 30,000 foot or the company right, level. Right. Um, and so you have to dig in and find out what the, the underlying issue was. In that case, with the bookkeepers, it was not a, a function of um, needing another person. But it was insightful to say, you know, this is probably where our next hire needs to be. Um, one of the other ways, so so that's direct labor. Okay, so maybe um, it wasn't bookkeeping, but like, so like we're trying to diagnose. So why was the labor force not as efficient as it could have been? You're saying because in some other department, they were underutilized. Correct. And, and so what we actually did was we restructured the organization and better allocated the work. So we, mm -hmm. we, we created a new tax department where we took the tax work off of our client facing people. Um, so they could uh, take on more clients. And then we, we moved the tax work over to a newly created tax department. We didn't, we didn't hire anybody. We just shuffled chairs, re reorganized. And all of a sudden we didn't have a capacity issue. Right. Um, so that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. And that's very actionable. Do you have another story or example? Well, yeah, I, I would, I, one of the other ones that I think is specifically applicable to, to your listeners and, and the, the leadership um, is another, so that was the direct labor efficiency. There, there is another, you, you, can, you can apply that ratio however you want to, like by department. Um, one of the more common one is a leadership labor efficiency ratio. So you're just looking at the leadership team and you're doing the same computation. You're dividing the gross profit by the leadership's team's cost. Um, and that ratio, because uh, it, it's, it's much less directly involved with the production of that gross profit mm -hmm. is usually much higher, you know, eight, eight, nine, or 10. Mm -hmm. uh, so in other words, if you hired a, uh, a CFO for $250,000, you, you would expect somewhere between $2 million and $2.5 million in gross profit from that 
that leadership hire. Mm -hmm. So as a company grows and, and looking at this fractional model that, that you, you have created is that, that that makes that a lot more palatable because if I'm trying to come in here and- It's not gonna damage the labor efficiency ratio at the leadership level as much as a full-time right. hire. It's, and if you like, don't have the gross profit to justify it. Exactly, I can't, I can't, I can't hire somebody at $250,000 at a leadership team level and get that amount of gross profit very quickly out of them. You know, I mean, it's going to take time. Um, and so that's, that's kind of the Greg Crabtree uh, talks about the, the black hole of death that businesses go into. And um, it's, it's the plateaus that every business gets to, you know, they, they reach a certain size, uh, you know, it might be employee count, it might be revenue, <clears throat> and they stall. And it's because what they were doing that got them there no, is no longer effective. The, it's the law of diminishing return. You just can't get any more out of it. And so you have to do things differently. You have to do different things. Um, and one of the black holes of death is, is between two and three million dollars. You know, that's where a lot of businesses go to die. Um, and Part of that problem is you need a leadership team to give you that advice, to give you that uh, strategic insight, but you can't afford them. Um, so, you know, I, I see the fractional leadership model as a way to incrementally bridge that gap to right. get to that next level so that you have the profit to afford a full-time team member. Right. Awesome. So like, what, what will happen? Like, I, I guess if people don't think about this labor efficiency ratio, for example, like what happens? Like, what are the negatives if, if, if someone's not thinking about this or utilizing it? Well, I think, I think what happens most of the time is they, they are reactive and I think they, they tend to overhire mm -hmm. um, rather than looking at their processes, their workflows. Mm -hmm. or, like, even, or like in your example, the, the way work is allocated. The organization that structure as a whole, exactly. Yeah. Or it could be like individual people, like you've got some, you know, unproductive people. But I, I think right. there there's a, a tendency when you're growing a business to forego profit. And it's very easy to justify, well, we're just putting this money and money back in the business and we'll get profit later. Um, but you know, that what, what you do in those situations is you cover up those problems. Mm -hmm. Um, that was one of the things that happened in the pandemic when, uh, you know, a break was thrown on everything is all of those problems became very obvious. You know, you couldn't hide them anymore. Uh, and so there was a general retrenching and, and a lot of business failures, um, but you know, growth is not a panacea. It is. It does not. It does not substitute for good, rational, solid management. Right. And how? And again, it sounds even to me like I'm not a. You know, I always say like that's why I went to law school because I. You know, I'm bad to stay away from math. But why uh, and numbers? But why? Uh, or, or I should say like. For those who it seems like, oh God, it just seems like a black hole of death just thinking about trying to figure out what a labor efficiency ratio is or what ours is or how to use it. Like how, how does somebody who feels that way, like I, I guess utilize this tool or I don't know, or, or, or find someone who could, you know, who could 
you know, figure this out for them, you know, hopefully not at a, you know, for arm and a leg, but like, you know, and then so they could get some actionable information out of it because that's huge. I mean, if you go right. ahead and, you know, take on an extra one or $200,000 in fixed, you know, in fixed ongoing costs uh, because you are hiring and continuing to hire over hiring, um, it's potentially a lot more expensive than whoever you might pay, you know, a little bit too. To, oh, to figure absolutely. Out that, oh, I should, I should not do this. The cause is somewhere else. Like the cause for what I need is somewhere else. That's obviously could be saving hundreds of thousands of dollars. So like, how do I figure out what this is and how to get actionable information from it? Well, I think any financial professional uh, is, is capable. I mean, it, it is a simple ratio uh, of computing it. So like I should ask my accountant, like, I you, don't know. you absolutely can, uh, you know, it, it's, if they're not, if they're not familiar with the concept, they can Google it, but it is simply gross profit divided by labor. Um, the, the, the question becomes tracking it and using it. So, you know, you're, you're, you're an EOS guy, you're a traction guy. It, you know, it, it's got to be on your your KPIs, your data metrics uh, on your dashboard for your leadership team. I mean, and it, it's got really it, it, this, this labor efficiency ratio. You think it needs to be oh, not yeah, just in the finance department, like at the no, leadership team level. Absolutely, this is absolutely. a number people need to be looking at. Absolutely, and it's one of the ones that we have on ours. And 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 you know, you don't track it weekly. You track it, you know, monthly or quarterly. Even it depends on how fast you're growing and and how often you're considering hiring. Um, but you know, it, it's got to be. If you think about a, a business that is, is <clears throat> professional services, labor heavy, um, they're, they're going to be a, a, an uptick. So the, your, your labor efficiency ratio will keep getting larger and you're going to have to hire somebody and it's going to then temporarily drop down. But it should stay within a range, right? And then as you continue to grow, the labor efficiency ratio will, will start to get higher. But the, the point of using it is, is that like if it doesn't get it, it can't go out of that range, you know, it can't get below two, because that means that we're not doing things well enough. Um, you know, I, I think, I think every um, business owner should have a, a CPA or a fractional CFO that they can have these conversations with. Um, you know, one of the, one of the great tragedies of my industry is that all of our training uh, <clears throat> at the university level is based upon uh, compliance. You know, mm -hmm. when you're when when you come out of university for accounting, uh, it's well, do you want to do tax or do you want to do audit? And and both of those functions are historical, backwards looking, and they are um, they're they're essentially compliance. You're either compliance with the government or compliance with, you know, the, the financial markets. And, and so, you know, but that's not, that's not of value to a business owner. I right. mean, you know, it's gotta be done, right. but it's, you don't it, get in trouble, but that's it. Right. And so our industry needs more people like me and Crabtree and, and that are going to help you take that data and use it. I think the most important thing a fractional CFO uh, or, or a CPA that's acting as a, an advisor it, it can do for a company is, are the numbers 
you know, aligning, aligning the numbers with the business plan. So, you know, Ben says, I'm going to go out and I'm going to do this the next 12 months with my business. Great. <clears throat> do we know and can we show that though the numbers reflect success or failure? Can we tell Ben, you know what? Those things that you are doing, you're on the right track. You're making the right decisions. Or, Ben, this isn't working. I don't, I, you know, we can look into why it's not working, but the numbers are not proving out what, what, you're, what you said you want to achieve. And, and to me, that's the most critical thing that can be done. I mean, because it, it kind of it removes the bullshit factor that entrepreneurs and businesses have. You know, it's like, you know, I, I, I tell myself what I want to hear. Mm -hmm. And, and more sales will solve the problem and, you know, we'll get there eventually and blah, blah, blah. You know, th these are stories I've told myself. So I, I, I know, I know it. Um, but the numbers don't lie. And, and if the, if, if you can have that person that you trust, that is going to tell you the truth to say, you know what, I, I, I don't know exactly why I'm not going to tell you that you made the wrong decision. All I'm telling you is what you said should be happening isn't happening. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, right. And that makes a lot of sense in terms of why that's going to be, why it's going to be actionable. I mean, you, you've told, already told a couple of good stories. You have any other examples where, I don't know, I guess people have used this tool or, uh, or where you've seen it with clients or used it with clients and like what happened? Like, so people can get a concrete idea sure. of so, what so this I, for them. Yeah, I, I have a, a fractional leadership client that is a, uh, they're, they're a uh, ad agency, a creative, creative agency. Mm -hmm. And um, once they implemented the labor efficiency ratio, they, they realized, frankly, that they were overstaffed and they were trying to do too many things, serve too many different segments of the market. You know, is, is that, that a whole thing? Well, if I'm going to do, if I'm going to provide uh, video production, and I'm going to provide, uh, you know, SEO services, and I'm going to provide uh, social media marketing, I've got to have a contingent of people to deliver those services, right? But when they started looking at the labor efficiency ratio overall, and they're like, well, we can't make money doing all of these things. It's just too much, too big of a overhead, you know, there's too many bodies. Right. Um, and so they determined what segment they could make the most money in and could grow the most where they saw the market need and they they basically fired a bunch of people and shrunk which is always a difficult decision for an entrepreneur to make yeah you know you work so hard to get to a certain level right and it's like ah going backwards does not feel good um but it was necessary because you know, it, it gave them the foundation to scale and grow further. You know, it's some, sometimes it really is. You got to go backwards before you can go forwards. Right. Right. Yeah, that's a, I mean, that, that, is, a, that is a great example. Um, I guess just one last thing. I know, I know you mentioned or I mentioned in your introduction that you, you guys are Profit First certified. Michael, Michael Witz, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Michaelowitz. Oh, Michaelowitz. Yes. Thank you. Got yes. the wrong emphasis on the incorrect syllable, but the uh, what, what is the profit first model? And, you know, I guess just briefly, just so people have context, because I think you're the first profit first certified person I've, I've had on the podcast. So 
Like basically, okay. what is that? What is profit first certification? And like, I don't know, just like, what is that for businesses? Sure. So uh, Mike Michalowicz is a serial entrepreneur. Uh, I met uh, a few years ago, shortly after he wrote his book, Profit First. Um, and it, it's a great read for any entrepreneur because he, he, it, it's not just about profit first, but it's how he got to that point of mm -hmm. figuring this out. But the, 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 the basic elements of the book are that you know, his life experience is like a lot of entrepreneurs where the profit comes at the end when you sell it, you know, mm -hmm. uh, I, I'm not making any money, I'm not making any money. Mm -hmm. And then I sell the business and I get a pot full of money. Uh, and that's probably you know, first. No, don't, it doesn't have to be at the journey too. <laughs> and, and so he, he went through a couple iterations of that and came to a very dark place personally. And, financially and basically you know the pain gets hard enough you figure out an alternative and he came up with this this concept of profit first uh wrote a book and created a network of professionals to help deliver it um the the concept is i think very simple again i think great ideas usually are simple if you think about um Back your depression era generation, um, my my grandparents, um, they used to have uh, envelopes, and when they would get paid, they would take the cash and they would split it into envelopes. And this much was for groceries, and this much was for rent, and you know, and and that's how they managed their money. Um, and that is the underlying premise uh, of Profit First: is that we use multiple bank accounts. Mm -hmm. to manage our cash flow it, the, the benefit i think I, I think the most powerful benefit of it is is that you take the average business owner and you give them a financial statement and their eyes roll back in their head they're like i i don't i don't know what i'm looking at i don't yeah exactly but profit first meets them where they're at so you look at your bank account frequently i'm sure so so it it's it's meeting the business owner where they are using the tools that they're used to be using. It's not that the, we don't produce financial statements and it's not that we don't use them for, for various things, but on a day-to-day -day business management standpoint, being able to look at your bank account and like, Oh, I've got this much in profit or I've got this much left to, to spend this month um, is, is pretty powerful. Right. Well, very interesting. Yeah. It, it definitely piqued my curiosity. Want to like, think more about this for, you know, for a couple of my business, you know, for my businesses as well. Um, but I really appreciate coming on, sharing about Absolutely. Uh, obviously the profit first thing at the end and, and this, you know, kind of mysterious term, you know, labor efficiency ratio and de definitely, definitely showed me like, you know, that, it, you know, it's not this esoteric thing that like, uh, you know, no big deal. Like, right. It's a, uh, it's and, and it connects to that profit first thing you made, you know, it, it connects to the point you made at the end as well, that you, you know, if you're not focused on the efficiency of your labor uh, force, then it's really covering up for other things, uh, whether it's processes, company structure, um, different things, and you're not dealing with those things. And you're just right. thinking that you're investing in your business and really you're losing hundreds of thousands of dollars and not making a profit when you could be uh, right. with a little more intentionality. 
Um, so, so, you know, I definitely found it, find it to be very enlightening what you share. Well, good. I, I think, I think as, as entrepreneurs, and, and if you think about this in, in your day-to-day, week-to-week, the vast majority of the decisions that you have to make are around your people. It's not around the vendors. It's not usually even around the marketing. It, you know, the management of the business is managing the people. Right. That's that's what you do. Uh, and the labor efficiency tells you whether you're doing it well. Right. Right. At least on the efficiency standpoint. Yeah. Right. Right. There's other, other ways that you could be not doing it well. with, with 100 percent. <laughs> that's uh, that's great. Anyway, really appreciate you coming on. Thank you yeah. for sharing this. Thank you for teaching us. Um, again, that's coregroupus.com. People can learn more about you, Christian, and uh, really appreciate you coming on. Thanks, Ben. Thank you. And we'll see everybody else on the other side. Bye-bye. You're listening to Win-Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf.